What's happening, y'all? It's Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. We hit you up every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday, every single week, giving you the lowdown on what's happening with the Bears, the Bulls, the White Sox, and the Cubs, sprinkling some pop culture. Of course, talk about the food and the music scene here in the city of Chicago. We give you everything you need. That's why we call it The Full Go. It's The Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Conference Championship Weekend. It's finally here. We get to see who's going to make the Super Bowl. Warren Sharp joined as always on the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show by my good pal, Joe House. House, this is what we've been waiting for for a while now. We want to see who's going to make it to the Super Bowl. Let's see if the Super Bowl color, logo color conspiracy ends up coming true or not. Uh, But how are you feeling as we head into the weekend? Only two games left, my friend, until we decide who gets to go to the Super Bowl. I'm absolutely thrilled by what we have in store for us. Every one of these teams with the richest of rich storylines. And, you know, there's a great argument that we got um, the four, you know, sort of best teams the only team that I might swap out for intrigue purposes would have been the Rams for the Lions. And and that that came awfully close to, to coming to pass because if the Rams had beaten Detroit, I, I like their chances against Tampa. But I'm not complaining. I love what Detroit has done. I am a huge Dan Campbell admirer. And, you know, they earned that uh, home field advantage over the course of, of the season with, you know, super tough play. So I am not by any means, please, good friends from Detroit. I love Detroit. I love the Lions. I'm not saying one bad thing about them until we get into the X's and O's. But but for their, for the purposes of them in this game, I'm thrilled. Remind me, what were the, what's the conspiracy with the colors? I saw, I remember the purple for the Ravens. Who was the other one? It was red for the for the 49ers. Oh, okay. So like the last each of the last two years, they've had the the same colors of the teams that ended up making the Super Bowl that that comprised the logo. Last year was like us. 
tint of green coupled with red. It was the Eagles and the and the Chiefs, and then the year before that, uh, it, it had some yellow in it for the for the Rams. So, at any rate, um, you know what I'm going to be excited for, House. I'm going to be excited for this is the last show of the year where I have to give a weather forecast as we talk about <laughs> these games. <laughs> Damn this weather. I'm sick and tired of talking about this weather, trying to handicap the weather, uh, losing a lot of uh, potential bets because they change games. Uh, well, after I absolutely destroy a great weather forecast and get down a ton of money on uh, bets that we're going to go sweeping the board and get canceled out. Um, I- I'm just sick of the weather. I'm ready for a game in the Dome in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I'm ready to go to Las Vegas, and I'm ready to enjoy Super Bowl week. I don't have to worry about weather anymore after we talk about the forecast for the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers home games. Well, at least really as the between these two games, there's only one game with where weather seems like it might have a, have a role, right? Exactly. Yes, there is. So let's talk about that game first. The Baltimore Ravens are hosting the AFC championship game. They get to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be an epic battle. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's first talk about this weather and then we'll get into the line. Right now, I am seeing that there is at 3.30 in Baltimore, a very low chance of rain at that time, but we are seeing prolonged showers here in the DC area starting uh in the morning on Sunday, they're going to be going all the way through the evening on Sunday, off and on. You might get some showers. You might not. It may not, it might not be that heavy. That's the good thing. Even if we're going to get it, it's going to be light. So it shouldn't really impact the game very much at all, as well as the winds. We're looking at wind speeds of about 10 to 11 miles per hour, gust 17 to 19. Also, that should not really have an impact on the game. I hope that it's dry. I hope it's not rainy, but we'll talk about how that impacts the team if that ends up uh, being the case. For the point spread, this one is a little bit more interesting to discuss than the next game that we've got. But over at FanDuel, uh, the line currently, as at the time of recording, is the Baltimore Ravens are laying three and a half minus 120, and the total is sitting at four and 44 and a half. Now, I'll tell you how I'll tell you a little story about this point spread and how it's moved because at some spots it has gotten up to as high as four. Yeah. And this actually started happening the other day. But first, before I get into I'll tell you how it moved there. I'm going to get your take on, on just kind of the number itself. Do you see anything with the number? Are you surprised at all with the number? And then I want to tell you how it sort of started to evolve. I think it's a very fair number. Um, and I honestly anticipated it maybe getting all the way up to four and a half. And, and who knows over the course of the weekend, you know, we're taping this at the end of the week. Um how uh, folks that might be sitting on the sidelines, people that you might be familiar with, uh, what they might be, pre- be prepared to do jumping in here. But, you know, the the thing that I think takes it from that um, three and a half range and might push it northward is as people sort of tune into the fact that the Chiefs are coming in here um, at both a rest disadvantage and the Ravens are healthier and especially this injury to Joe Thune, uh, the left guard for the Kansas city chiefs. I think when folks like start doing the math around what kind of impact that could have, uh, I'm not suggesting that he all by himself 
is worth any any kind of line movement. But overall, the rest uh, disadvantage for the Chiefs plus the health uh, overall of Baltimore to me is is you know reason enough to have this number um, in that four to four and a half range. Let's talk about this line movement. So the number opened at three, three and a half at most spots. It was it was a juice three only for a little bit of time. Then it goes to four. But what's interesting here is obviously somebody in my shoes as a professional better. I'm sitting here in front of all my bank of monitors. One is always tuned into the odd screen and it's got real time updates. And all the books were at three, a juice three and a half. And all of a sudden, uh, on the 23rd, which was Tuesday afternoon, we see the over at, um, Circa Sportsbook in Vegas. At 4.04 p.m., goes to four on the line. Ravens Mm -hmm. minus four. Literally about 35 minutes later at 4.41 p.m. The the screen doesn't move, though. And a lot of times the screen will move, you know, a book or two goes. That's a defining book. A lot of other books then will adjust their numbers up, thinking that these guys got action. Some books move their lines on air based on perceived action that's coming, and they don't actually get hit themselves. So they might move on action that they see at other books. Um, Other times, syndicated betting groups will bet multiple books simultaneously to try to get like their position down everywhere all at once, because if you're only betting at Circa, you might risk the fact that your Westgates, your other books out in Vegas might start moving before you can get down there. So you're going to try to hit them all at once. But what's interesting is none of the other books move except Circa. They took a large enough bet that they needed to move to four, but nobody else moved. And then at 440, so we're now 35 minutes later, Westgate goes to four. They got hit. Then about 50 minutes later, South Point, which is another book out in Vegas, they get hit. Then at 6.07, so another 46 minutes later, the Golden Nugget gets hit and they go to four. So progressively, one at a time, these books that are on my screen that are based in Vegas, that operate out of Vegas, they're going to four. It's not some sort of syndicated move by a big betting group that's betting a lot of places simultaneously. It literally is somebody going from book to book, betting these numbers and the books are moving. And the very next day um, at 4.04, exactly. The same day, 24 hours later, Tuesday at 4.04, the first book moved to four, Circa. Wednesday at 4.04, Stations, which is another book out in Vegas, they go to four. Um, and it wasn't until today that we saw a lot of the other offshore books and um, you know some of the legalized books in the states that operate all over the other legalized states uh, move to four. So it was a slow roll up to four that clearly was happening as these bu- spots were getting hit by somebody. Really interesting to watch. Re- very rarely occurs that way uh, that somebody's willing to risk like slow playing it like that. But nevertheless, uh, felt like it was worth mentioning here as to how we've gotten to the point where at you know FanDuel, it's still three and a, it's still a juice three and a half. But many other spots are four and FanDuel's three and a half minus one twenty. Uh, clearly, they must be getting a lot of maybe more public action on the Kansas City Chiefs, yep. keeping it down at three and a half. Uh, but let's talk about 
what you think is going to happen, House, when the Ravens have the ball. So let's break this down first. When the Ravens have the ball, then the Chiefs have the ball. How do you anticipate Lamar Jackson attacking the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs? Steve Spagnuolo is actually a great tactician. He's got a great defense. The best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had in a while. Is that a good enough defense to slow down and limit Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense? Um, or do you think the Ravens are going to be able to get an edge on them? And if so, what is that edge? Well, it's now, I would say, somewhat common knowledge that the best way to have success against the Chiefs is to run the football. And the Bills, um, who became, over the last quarter of the season, a very efficient run offense deployed that game plan. They ran 37 times across the combination of Josh Allen and James Cook and Ty Johnson for 173 yards and their time of possession was 37 minutes and that's a pretty good blueprint for success against the Chiefs, the Chiefs' prime vulnerability couple things happen. You mentioned Spags. They made an adjustment in uh, the second half to some aspects of the scheme. Um, I think Andy Reid talked about it in the press conference. And the Bills were unable to score on their last three drives because they were not able. They were playing from um, tough third down scripts, right? They were pushed into longer third down situations by virtue of the fact that the Chiefs were really limiting the early down success of the Bills just in that critical, crucial, game-winning time, game time, time to win the game portion of the game. Um, I expect Baltimore, who, to my way uh, of thinking, is at least as capable on the ground as the Buffalo Bills, and you know, to 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 Baltimore's credit, uh, uh, the the um, perpetual next man up rush offense. I mean, not only do we have you know uh, Justice Hill, who folks might not have heard of uh, six weeks ago, but the resurrection of Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook has to be on the football field because Gus Edwards hurt his hand, and they're like, you know what, we're we're going to win this game against Houston, Gus. You don't have to play the fourth quarter. So everybody sees the freshest Dalvin Cook they've ever seen. And they're like, hey, look, that's Dalvin Cook. Um, the key for Baltimore, similar to what Buffalo um, you know, had in mind and executed quite well, Lamar Jackson as a rusher is going to be uh, an enormous element here. And it's not you know, a coincidence that his rushing Yardage prop is at 66 and a half, and I still kind of like the over. But you know, that to me seems like the 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 the, the key ingredient, the the approach that um Baltimore will be prepared to take. And you know, they they have um plenty of potency pass catcher-wise and can easily move to the pass, but I think establishing their will on the ground with the run will be the primary uh goal. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. And I think Spags will probably know that. And Spags are gonna, is going to try to make some adjustments. He's been very good in the second half at kind of making those tweaks. In the first half, sometimes teams get out. Their run defense 
just shores up tremendously statistically in that second half as compared to the first half. But, um, you know, I was a little disappointed in the start for the Ravens last week and how slowly they came out. And part of it was just literally they started slowly. I mean, every single time that they were getting out of their snap and getting to the line of scrimmage was like eight seconds left on the clock, 10 seconds left on the clock. By the time Lamar could even do his snap count, we're talking down to like five seconds or fewer on the clock. They just have to hurry up and get it off. Um, they need to steal a page out of the Chiefs playbook and go a little bit faster tempo to get to the line of scrimmage a little bit quicker so that Lamar can feel a little bit more comfortable, look at the defense, have a sense of what's going on, make any adjustments as necessary, and then let's roll through the offense here. Um, but the other thing is that you know, if you think about it, it's not all that surprising, right? In hindsight, I went back and looked. Uh, we've only had one team get that first round by for a few years now in each conference. And those teams went six and two to the under in their games in the divisional round after they had that first round by. Um, they averaged only 25 points per game. That was three points below their team total. Uh, their projected team total for the game was 28 points set, you know, in futures markets uh, before the game kicks off. And they only scored 25 points per game. They start off a little slow. A lot of them had a de facto, like they earned the first round by in week 17. So week 18, they, they rest some of their guys and they don't play week 19. Meanwhile, you got a Houston Texans team that's that's been playing playoff games for weeks now, right? Like week 17, they yep. got a win. Then they go to week 18. That's not a playoff game, but it is a playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts. They win that game. Boom. They make it to the wild card round. They win that playoff game. So they're like playing playoff games for weeks now. And the Ravens are just kind of resting and relaxing, thinking of how they're going to be ready to go. And they don't hit the ground running full pace in that next game, though. The next game, the conference championship games, if you win that divisional game, instead of scoring three points per game below your team total, you actually score three points per game above your team total the next week. Those teams are averaging 29 and a half points per game above the team total average of 26 and a half points. So I expect a offense from the Ravens is going to hit the ground running a lot faster earlier on in this game, especially than it did uh, compared to last week. Um, the other thing that's an interesting factor here before I break down the run game like you were kind of leading with was um, the Chiefs defense is worse on the road. Now, you can look at that from an EPA per play perspective and see how they compare like over the last three years to other teams when they go on the road. But the Chiefs are more affected by playing on the road, it seems, defensively than the vast majority of the NFL. And another market besides just EPA that that is borne out is in the team totals that they allow home versus on the road. So when they are playing at home, opponents are scoring three points below that team's total. The team total for the visitor into Arrowhead, those teams score on average over the last three years, three points less than what that total is set. However, when the Chiefs go on the road, those opponents are scoring more points than the team total on average. And the difference between the two is the fourth most in the NFL. So they are affected to a large degree by going on the road. And I don't know that that, that alone is truly factored into the disadvantage that they have from a point spread perspective when they go on the road. Um, let's talk X's and O's here though. The Ravens are capable of running the football. The Chiefs struggle to defend it. And 
The Ravens have done nothing since week 12 house, but play run defenses that rank above average. They played three top 10 run defenses during that span. Now they get to face the NFL's number five worst run defense. Uh, the Chiefs struggle against a couple of concepts that the Ravens like to use a lot. The Ravens like to run a lot power. They like to use the power run concept and the Chiefs rank 31st in EPA and 32nd in success rate. When they run counter, which is a different run scheme, the Chiefs rank number 32 in EPA and number 32 in success, whereas uh, the NFL average teams use that about 5% of the time. The Ravens are using that 20% of the time. So they use that on 20% of the rush attempts, way above the NFL average. It's, it's way above the next closest team as well. And so they run that a ton. Um, the Chiefs are the worst defense in the NFL defending power. And on 50% of the runs that they face that are using counter, they allow those to gain five plus yards. That ranks 31st in the NFL. So I think the Ravens run concepts could have some success. And then when the Ravens go to pass the ball, which they're going to need to do, they're going to be able to have success, in my opinion, in two key areas. Number one, if it's raining. They're going to focus on the run and they're going to maybe pass the ball a little bit short. And when throwing within 10 yards of line of scrimmage on early downs, they are a top five passing offense. And since week 12, the Kansas City Chiefs have ranked 16th in EPA, 13th in yards per attempt, and 25th in success rate against those passes thrown within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, also, when teams blitz them, Early down the first three quarters and the Ravens throw the ball within 10 yards of line of scrimmage, they're the best passing offense in the NFL. So that's another feather in their cap that they're going to be able to trot out. And finally, they need to crank up their play action house. They need to go to a lot of play action. And that is because the Chiefs are really good if you don't use play action, but really struggle if you do use play action. With no play action, the Kansas City Chiefs pass defense ranks number six in EPA, number two in yards per attempt, and number eight in completion rate. Number 11 in success rate. When you do use play action against them, however, the Chiefs drop down from number six to number 21 in EPA, from number 11 to number 32 in success rate, from number two to number 19 in yards per attempt, and from number eight to number 24 in completion rate. We're talking basically top 10 pass defense to a bottom 10 pass defense. And just look at what they did in their two playoff games that they played. When they, when teams utilize play action against them on early downs, those teams averaged eight yards per attempt passing the ball. When you didn't use play action, 3.7 yards per attempt. When you use play action, plus 0.3 EPA. When you didn't use play action, minus 0.23 EPA. When you did, 67% success. When you did not, 33% success. So the Dolphins probably should have used it more. The Bills probably should have used it more. But the Chiefs clearly struggle here. The Ravens use it at a reasonable rate. I think that they need to crank that up rate right up here. Um, and also, finally, I'll just say, since their Week 10 bye, I looked at the Chiefs' schedule. You know, uh, they played the Eagles' offense and they lost. The Eagles have a flawed offense, as we know. They played the Packers' offense and they lost. They played the Bills' offense and they lost. I'm talking regular season here. Um, aside from those three losses, those were the only three starting quarterbacks they faced, House. The, uh, of the season, starting quarterbacks that they faced Eagles, Packers, Bills, they played them. They lost to all of them. Then they were fortunate. They played five games against backup quarterbacks. They lost to, mm. they beat Jake Browning. They beat Easton Stick. They beat Bailey Zappi. And they split against Aiden O'Connell. So, I mean, then you got the two playoff games against Miami going to cold weather with a banged up defense. And then Buffalo playing with a banged up defense as well. 
I just think there's a lot of edges here for the Baltimore Ravens on the offensive side of the ball. I do think it will be tough, and it's interesting because this is the best defense that the Chiefs have had that Patrick Mahomes has had. But I think the Ravens are able to counterpunch him in a way that most other opponents would not be able to counterpunch. Just the way that the Ravens are built uh, on the offensive side of the ball that could attack some of the, the the weaknesses. Most teams don't have great run games like the Ravens or diverse running attacks. Think about it. They can run out of 11, but mostly they're going to run out of 21, maybe some uh, multiple tight end sets as well. 12, 13 personnel. Uh, they got a quarterback who can run the ball as well. Like They're just so diverse in the way that they attack at the weakness of the Chiefs, which is the ground game. I think it's going to be fun to see what Lamar Jackson's able to do here against these guys i don't disagree he's going to need to use uh his feet a lot there so we're going to see mark andrews too right uh, uh, you know i don't know about no? i don't know about mark andrews okay um, okay we'll we'll just have to see if he's out there i think it would be an added bonus i certainly wouldn't be expecting him to be out there or contributing in a meaningful way i could be completely wrong on that it's just a suspicion um but look if if, if he is there that's great for the ravens my betting buddies, when it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has all your favorite bets like the money line and the spread. Plus, of course, all sorts of prop bets. We are looking at Jameer Gibbs. Touches this coming weekend against the San Francisco 49ers. We're looking at rushing yards for my guy, uh, Jim L Lamar Jackson. We're looking at rushing yards for, of course, the GOAT Patrick Mahomes. Look, right now, every day, there is an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat, same-game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you will get bonus bets back if your SGP does not win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers, G-A-M-B-L-E-R-S. If you don't already have an account, that's FanDuel.com slash gamblers. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, you call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Minimum three-leg parlay required. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.vanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. The other side of the ball, you know, the Chiefs don't have to worry about their tight end. They've got their tight end, Travis Kelsey, who obviously has come alive the last few weeks, playing against some banged up secondaries and, and some banged up linebacker cores. He's had some good games and has helped to jumpstart the offense of the Chiefs. But how do you visualize the Chiefs as road underdogs going in here into this hostile environment of Baltimore House and trying to build some success against this very strong and and semi well rounded, but still weak against the run, in my opinion, defense of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, you've been begging for teams to try and attack this Baltimore Ravens defense, their light box, with a strong, um, committed rushing attack. And I think the version of what we saw out of the Chiefs with Pacheco, I mean, he he's he's the hardest running dude. Uh, in the backfield in the entire NFL. Nobody runs angrier than Pacheco, and he was super effective, I thought, um, against the Bills. The problem I have is this injury to to Joe Thune, Um, and it seems like he is out. I don't... He hasn't practiced, and every indication is that he's he's, uh, not going to play. Pacheco hasn't practiced yet, but they've said that he's he's going to be participating in a walkthrough. They're anticipating him playing. But this is kind of the, the reverse of what we saw last weekend where the Chiefs had the benefit of extra rests and you know showed up in Buffalo relatively healthy. And the Bills were the team that, you know, um had all these injuries on in the in the secondary and had to had to uh, pull together patchwork cluster injuries at linebacker and cornerback this chiefs offense it was good to see the revival of uh travis kelsey especially because his um pass pro his catch uh his yardage prop last week which was a giant winner was like in the low 60s and that was one that i hammered i like that very much um but i i don't have a a a good feel i'm i this uh, Baltimore defense is an entirely different animal than anything that the Chiefs have seen maybe all season long. Um, and their ability to create um, pressure and tra- turn that pressure into sacks. Rokon Smith at, at linebacker has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, I, I have nothing like, what are you going to say ab- about Mahomes? He's the best quarterback on the planet. And he is going to create plays. They had eight plays of at least 20 yards last week against that Bills defense. So we've been missing the explosive element out of the Chiefs, but they got themselves kind of turned around a little bit against the Bengals and then had um, good success against the Dolphins and good success against the Bills. But if you look at the condition of those defenses in those games, just not a lot to hang your, your hat on. Uh, and you can't compare Marlon Humphrey's going to come back for this Baltimore defense. He was out last week. I mean, they just got too many dudes in too many spots. I think it's a very uh, tough uphill climb for Kansas City. Having said all that, I do think that they're going to get to um, 21 points. <laughs> that's that's my humble assessment. It's it's hard it's hard to envision them not you know like the Patrick it's Patrick Mahomes it's Andy Reid it's the playoffs um they're going to be scheming up everything in their power it, it is really hard to envision them uh struggling tremendously here even though it is a tough spot uh the 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 interesting thing is again 
like you pointed out, the, the way that I think that you have success against the Ravens is to get the them on the ground. You got to run the ball on them, bring an extra defender down in the box. Then you can have success passing the football. And that's really like not what Andy Reid loves to do. You know, Andy Reid, he's got Patrick Mahomes are going to want to come out and throw the football a little bit here. But the reality is you should be running it. I'll get to a minute where I think that they can have some success uh, passing the ball just from ground zero. Uh, they don't even need to start bring, running the football to establish anything. Um, but when they do run, you know, I think that they will have some success using their inside zone. They use the sixth most inside zone. And on first half early downs, the Ravens run defense is a bottom 10 run defense against inside zone. They can also use a little bit of power as well. And they use power a little bit more from like multi tight end sets as opposed to the Ravens using a little bit more with a fullback out on the field. But um, they've had a lot of success in utilizing power. When they utilize power offensively, they rank seventh in EPA per rush, 10th in success, and eighth in yards per carry. And the Ravens rank 31st in EPA per rush, 24th in success, and 29th in yards per carry. So they should lean into that a little bit. I would tell them to use play action, but they're not going to listen to me because Kansas City just, <laughs> they don't need, they don't, they don't use it. They don't need it. But the thing is the Ravens have the number one pass defense without play action. If you don't use it, it's just like the Chiefs. If you don't use it against them, you're going to struggle. That said, if you decide to utilize play action against these guys, against the Ravens, 19th in EPA per attempt, 11th in success rate, and 15th in yards per attempt. Uh, but the Chiefs, out of 48 qualifying quarterbacks that have thrown 100 passes this year, Mahomes ranks 45th in play action usage. So they just don't use it. And, and that's okay. The way that they're going to be able to have some success here, though, is by getting two tight end sets out there because of the way the Ravens defend two tight end sets. And that's how they can, they don't need to start running the ball to get a man down in the box. They can use the two tight end sets and then they'll, they'll get another man in the box automatically. Um, the Baltimore Ravens defend three wide receiver formations with light boxes 74% of the time. So against those formations, yeah, of course you want to try to run the football a little bit. They're playing the pass more often there. Uh, they use the seventh most, 74% of snaps. That's the seventh most light boxes in the league. But when they use two tight ends, when they go up against two tight end sets, they play the 10th most heavy boxes. Uh, 87% of the time they're using heavy boxes to defend those plays. Before the play is even called, they use that amount of uh, defenders in the box. And that's why their pass defense is so much better against 11 because they're sort of playing the pass. They have a top three pass defense in EPA success and yards per attempt versus 11 personnel passes. But if you're passing out of two tight end sets, they are number 23 in EPA house. They're number 26 in yards per attempt. And the Chiefs like to pass out of two tight end sets. So I think the Chiefs are going to come out here with a lot of multi tight end sets and pass out of those fairly frequently, which is where I think from a props perspective, some of these auxiliary wide receivers that get out there a little bit more in three wide receiver sets may get even fewer snaps than we were originally anticipating because I think it would be pretty smart for the Chiefs to play a little bit more uh, multi-tight end sets here. My, uh, my only concern about their passing attack um, is just that they love to pass the ball short. Um, they throw 60% of their early down passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage. No team whose starting quarterback has played at least half the season throws more short 
Like that is their their offense. They throw the ball shortest. They rank 32nd in yards per attempt, air yards per attempt, 32nd in passes that are thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage. And they just don't go down the field. And the Ravens are absolutely elite against that. So if you're not going to use play action to try to gain an advantage, you're not going to run the ball a ton to try to gain an advantage. You have to use this 12 personnel to try to gain an advantage. With all of that said, House, props or bets that you have made on this game? What are a couple things that the listeners might want to know how your analysis of this game has led you in the direction of actually placing a bet on this game? So I like the rushing totals for both quarterbacks because I think that, you know, this is uh, uh, an absolute, the, the very biggest stage, the two best quarterbacks in the game at this moment. Uh, and we are going to be treated to innovation out of these coaching staffs, two of, of the very best coaching staffs in the entire NFL. The, 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 the thing that every defense, every, every interview forever that you hear um, with, with defensive personnel, they say the thing that we have the hardest time defending just in general is if a quarterback takes off and run. Runs well. We have two of the very best at it, and not only are these guys good at the actual like picking the time to run, but they are um, extremely good at you know the the highest leverage moments, turning what looks like a a, a play that's going to be a loss into a gain, or and sometimes into a giant gain. And so I think that element of surprise the the thing that you just can't really plan for you can spy you can you know you can put guys in spy position but you like how you can't contain Lamar Jackson with the spy that's not you know going to get it done and Mahomes has you know a football IQ that is you know uh super mensa when it comes to here's a moment where i see a lane and i can go get 20 yards you know, uh, on the ground right now, and it tilts the the entire trajectory of the game. So I'm on both of those guys. They're uh, rushing props. Now, the numbers have moved since earlier in the week. Um, and, you know, there might be a time when I when I get uncomfortable with it. But right now, um, Lamar is like in the 66, 66 and a half range. And uh, Mahomes is still under 30 yards. So to me, both of those are good uh, uh, props. But in general, the way that I'm playing this game, I really like the over. It's sitting at 44 and a half. It's, it was at 44 earlier in the week. And um, I just think, you know, a, a 24-21 kind of game uh, absolutely kind of fits uh, the back and forth. It's it's not that dissimilar from what we saw out of the Bills uh, and, and Chiefs. And, and I thought that game... Um, my original concept for that game was that it was going to be an under. And then I was, you know, kind of smacked to the face, like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? It's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They are going, that game was lined at 43 and a half uh, total. Um, I, 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 th- I think these teams are going to be able to score and, and, you know, I'm not worried about Baltimore. Um, the, the other thing that adds to the idea of these teams uh, scoring two of the best kickers in the game, Guys that you can put out on the field with fifty-five yard attempts, yep. like they're they're and both coaches, you know, there is no conservatism. We're not going to see Kyle Shanahan, you know, uh, afraid of of trying to 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 take drives 
um, at any point in the game. Every possession is going to matter. So I, I like the idea of points in this one. That that's that's my my lean on props and 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 the the total. What, what's your take? What do you think? Um, look, I think that the I don't disagree with your quarterback uh, thoughts there. Um, I was debating between Lamar's rushing yards versus rushing attempts because I do think that there are going to become times in this game where, you know, it's a read. He can decide to keep it or he can hand it off. And I saw a couple of times he he wanted to make that play, right? Like he wanted to take that ball. And sometimes those runs may not actually be the right decision, right? They may actually only, they might lose a yard or two and he should have just handed the ball off, but he decided to keep it. Also, the potential for kneel downs um, are rushing attempts and they're going to actually lose you yards. So not every single rushing attempt might be a positive thing. I do think he'll have a couple of nice runs here to maybe get the total, but uh, I, I I can't I can't decide which one I prefer on those two. Uh, the mm-hmm. one thing I thought you know, is... Like I said, the auxiliary weapons for the Chiefs, I just don't know how much they're going to be on the field um, because I think that they're going to, unless the Ravens get up big here, the, the Chiefs are going to probably be looking to pass the ball more out of two tight end sets. I just think that's the smartest way to try to attack the Ravens. Um, and as a result, a guy like Nicole Hardman was one uh, that I was thinking may not get on the field quite as much, especially after last week's debacle. Um, and so I was taking his receiving yards under and hoping that you know he doesn't even have a catch uh or if he does there he's been targeted very close to the line of scrimmage of late uh that he won't get a lot of yardage on that one um and i think the ravens like i said the ravens could come out a little bit faster this week after playing last week and they should be able to be able to generate uh a little bit more offense early in this game maybe they get in and out of the huddle a little bit faster uh so i think the ravens are going to have the lead here early in this game i, th- I think there's a good potential for them to carry the lead into the halftime. So I was looking at some Ravens first half action there. Um, and, and as much as people don't want to bet against Mahomes, I understand that. Um, like the, the Ravens are poised to be able to match up pretty well here. If, if like I could see this game going either way, but I really believe that unless it's Patrick Mahomes greatness that overtakes this game, which absolutely could that it's the Ravens game to lose. Uh, if, if, if the Ravens end up losing this game, it's because of mistakes they made or opportunities that they did not capitalize on because I do think they're a little bit better um, and more balanced and deeper on all sides of the football except at that quarterback position. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to this AFC game. It's going to be a ton of fun and I cannot wait for Sunday at 3.30. Let's take a quick break and we'll hit the NFC Championship game after this. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. 
All right, the NFC Championship game house. We're back to discuss the Detroit Lions making this big NFC Championship game. The city is going crazy. Good for them. I mean, every every fan base should get to experience something like this. Uh, we should not only have the same teams year in, year out. Let's introduce in a little bit of new blood here. But they are fighting an uphill battle against the San Francisco 49ers. A good thing about this game, there's no real weather to discuss Give you 20 seconds on the weather. It looks like it's going to be 70 degrees. It's going to be maybe sunny. Obviously, the game kicks off. It's going to be the evening time at 630. It's going to be a nice day, though. No winds to speak of. No precipitation to speak of. Let's kick off and have a great game. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, from a line perspective, not as not quite as much intrigue house as the last game that we were discussing in the AFC Championship with all of that movement. It's a little bit more straightforward here. This line at most spots open at seven. At most spots, it's still at seven. There have been some seven and a halfs appear, but FanDuel is still dealing seven minus 120 in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. So a, a touch of money is coming on the 49ers to move it there. From a total perspective, we're sitting at 51 and a half at FanDuel, which represents most of the market, although there have been a couple of 52s pop up, but there's also a couple of 51s, and that's a key number, just so you guys know. I've talked about this before. 51 is a key number when you're betting NFL totals. So if you're looking to get on the under, f- go to FanDuel, get that 52 and a half. If you're looking for an over, you're going to want to hopefully grab no worse than a 51 here. Um, the main thing to talk about here is Debo Samuel House, but after having set the table, uh, any initial thoughts on that number? Was was anything like so glaring to you that you wanted to run right away before you analyzed and, and place a bet? Or did you want to break this game down a little bit before you started to get your action in? Well, I would say I would ex- I would have expected it to be higher if there was confidence that Debo was yep. playing. Uh, I think it would be more than a touchdown if Debo had played most of that Packers game and ended that game mostly healthy, but that's not what happened. So I think the seven is like a, a, a kind of a he- hedge isn't the right word, but it's a market safe place. Um, and we don't have news as we're taping here about, you know, uh, the, the intention is for Debo to play. It seems like he's going to play. He practiced today uh, in a limited capacity. Um, they will have him wrapped up and juiced up as as much as possible come uh, Sunday afternoon. So he, he's going to be on the field in what kind of capacity, with what number of snaps, with how many touches, those all remain to be seen. But the reason he, he is a fulcrum element to this Niners success, which is why we are properly spending this time, the splits between uh, when he's on the field and when he's not on the field are dramatic and they get crazy if uh, Trent Williams is is also injured at the same time as Debo. Now, Trent Williams, um, by a, he, he, he's dinged up, but he, he's playing. There's no question about uh, his his uh, suitability for this game. So it really just comes down to, to Debo's availability and his effectiveness. But I think the line line feels right to me. The total seems a little a little high in view of this uncertainty with Debo, but we'll get into uh, the breakdown of that um, once we sort of map out these offenses and defenses. So what, what, uh, let's first just start. I just want to ask you a question about the the Debo splits, um, because I you know I understand that there's some splits from a win loss perspective, 
Uh, but with Debo Samuel off the field this year, Brock Purdy's stats. So this includes Debo wasn't in on a certain play. This includes Debo started the game, but was but uh, but wasn't on the field as at, at a certain point in time. Uh, but then got injured and missed the rest of the game. All of those snaps. It includes games that he did not play at all. Uh, it includes every single snap that he wasn't on the field. Purdy ranks number one in yards per attempt with ten and a half. Number one in success rate at fifty two percent. Number one in EPA per attempt at plus 0.18, number one in touchdown rate and number one in first down rate. So the issue is the Niners obviously don't have as strong of an overall record. Uh, it's hard to parse out him versus, you know, the injury to Trent Williams, as we, as you discussed previously, right? Because those two were injured at the exact same time. But I mean, I, I still see an offense that certainly is not going to be as good without Debo, but I don't think it's like a death knell by any means. And I actually think that if for some reason Debo doesn't go in this game, which I don't think is going to be the case, so I'm not going to linger on discussing it, and this line happens to drop to like something below a seven, I would be interested in backing the Niners at that point because I still think Purdy can have a good game here. But I'd like to hear your take on that. And also then let's talk about Purdy himself because he's definitely been a hot button issue uh, in kind of the circuit this week with the talk shows and whatnot about how good is he, whether Kyle trusts him. So do you think A, that that Purdy is going to be trusted in this game, that they're going to be utilizing him as a passer in this game? And, and, and then B, um, how do you feel he's actually going to perform here? A, yes. Trust. Okay. Yes. Must trust. Purdy. Trust. Absolutely. 32nd ranked defense on explosive plays. Not pass funnel defense. Pass sieve defense. <laughs> they let it all in. You won 350 yards as a quarterback. Play the play the Lions. Go find the if he want you, you want Nick Mullins to, to, to you know look like he belongs in the NFLs. Let him play the Lions defense every week. Um for sure. And look, the, the, the two big uh, elements, and I use the word elements deliberately, to why Purdy looked the way he did, that really was a genuine downpour. They were playing not just in rain. It was, it was you know, gallons of water being dumped on these dudes. Uh, and it was clearly something that affected his comfort level. He was uncomfortable. The other element, um, and you touched on it a little bit in in talking through the Debo impact, they did not have a game plan that imagined Debo not playing. Yep. And I, you know, they were not in a in a position to pivot to their non-Debo game plan. If they have time to plan the way they do this entire week, with around the idea of a limited Debo or, you know, Debo in the alternative. Get, trying to give it a go, and then for whatever reason not being able, they're able to plan for that. Yeah, the so the weather's perfect. They're playing um, one of the worst pass defenses uh, in the NFL, and definitely the worst when it comes to giving up chunk plays. Um, and they have the benefit of of actually uh, you know a full week of preparation. Yeah, this is the version, the best version of Purdy in this um, Shanahan offense with the the multi faceted weapons. We're going to see so much McCaffrey and, you know, I'll get to, to some of the prop discussion when it's, when it's time, but um, he, he played every offensive snap. I expect a repeat of that this week. And I have no reason 
to think that there's any issue whatsoever with Purdy this coming week. I agree. I agree completely. I couldn't agree more with you, House. Um, look, you think about the two weeks off that he had, you know, and 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 they're planning a game plan of 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 just what they want to ro- roll out in the in the playoffs, and then they finally find out who their opponent is going to be. It's going to be the Green Bay Packers. So Kyle said like he started preparing the game plan for how to attack the Green Bay Packers. And then it looked like it was going to rain for a little while, like as he's probably preparing that game plan, like he's looking at the forecast. It looked like there's going to be some rain in the forecast. Then it sort of cleared up like the, the on like Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even into Thursday morning. It looked like, okay, maybe it's actually not going to rain. And then of course, like they knew at, 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 I think by like Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, okay, the rain is back. The rain is definitely going to be here for this game. So he created a game plan that's Debo Samuel heavy, that's short passing heavy. Brock Purdy hasn't played in the rain much. Uh, Brock Purdy, you need to start wearing your glove. Get used to this glove. We're going to be needing you to use this glove. And all of a sudden, a few minutes into the game, Purdy's like, I hate this glove. I'm definitely not using the glove, but the rain is still here and I hate the rain. And Debo is gone. And now our whole game plan is out the window. And it's like, what are we going to do now? And it's a lot of scrambling and it's a lot of inefficiency. And I haven't seen somebody so bothered by the rain as I have that game right there. It was just really remarkable to see, you know, um, how they were dealing with it, how on a personal level, Brock Purdy was dealing with it. All that's out the window here, right? Like the, nobody knows how healthy Debo is or how much he's going to be able to go in this game better than Kyle Shanahan right now. So Kyle has the upper hand. There's not going to be any weather to worry about. He's going to be able to do two things. He can plan a Debo is here game plan. He can plan a here's my game plan to start the game. But if Debo can't go, then this is what we're going to lean into. Or if Debo gets injured, this is what we're going to lean into. He's got all that knowledge right now because nobody plans a game plan. Oh yeah, here's my game plan. But um, I'm going to plan this if Brock Purdy gets injured halfway through the game and I have to go with Sam Darnold. Like nobody wastes time doing something like that. So these weren't prepared to lose Debo. I think they're going to be much better prepared um, in this game. I think, you know, one main element that I think you mentioned the 32nd ranked explosive pass defense of the Detroit Lions. That's absolutely something that's going to, I think, catch them by surprise here. Uh, the 49ers deep passing attack. They actually throw down the field on early downs eight yards per attempt down the field. That's the fourth highest distance throw distance in the NFL. They throw 15 plus air yards downfield at the third highest rate. The 16% of their attempts gain 20 plus yards. That's the highest rate of any team in the NFL. And they're elite, they're top five when they do throw the ball 15 plus yards down the field on early downs. They rank number five in EPA, number four success, number three in yards per attempt. So um, they're throwing the ball down there and the Lions... They allow the second highest rate of passes to gain 10 plus yards. They allow the number one highest rate of passes to gain 20 plus yards. Um, I would not be surprised if all this hubbub about, you know, Brock Purdy's not the guy. Brock Purdy's really not that great that we've seen this week. Uh, Kyle comes out against a really strong run defense of the Detroit Lions. Now, this is where I'm a little bit concerned for the Lions because I was surprised that the Bucs had a little bit of early success running the football. I was a little surprised. Mm-hmm. I had Rashad White's unders in attempts last week at 16 and a half, like his carries and his under and his yardage at 56 and a half. And the attempts always look good. I want to say he had like six in the first half or something. So I felt really good about the attempts. Um, the yards, I thought we were, we were uh, done for, right? Like he, I, I want to say he had, uh, 55 yards midway through the, um, through the early third quarter. 
And then between game script and him getting injured and leaving for a series, uh, he didn't have another carry the rest of the game. I think he finished with only nine carries in exactly 55 yards. So we snuck in luckily on the yardage under, but we hit the attempts under easily. That said, like uh, he ran the ball, had a very high yards per carry average, had a very good efficiency. And this is not a good rushing attack of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if that's the run defense that the Lions are trotting out at home against the Bucs, going on the road in San Francisco against Christian McCaffrey, I mean, they better shore some things up. They better figure out a better way to stop the run there. Uh, if they can't, then McCaffrey probably has a, another good game. He's better back than Rashard White. This rushing attack is more creative than what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bring to the table. But if the same Detroit Lions run defense that has played for most of the season, apart from last week's game house, comes to San Francisco, they will limit Christian McCaffrey to an extent. And this is going to be a field day, in my opinion, then for Brock Purdy. I think he's going to have a lot of success throwing the ball through the air. Um, how do you anything else there on the Niners side of the ball when they have the offense on the Niners offense when they have the ball? I really feel like you you, you walked me into this. I mean, I, I, I was going to save it, but I, I think what you just described is absolutely the script. And we did just witness it with Rashad White. He wasn't getting rushing attempts anymore because he was catching the ball out of the backfield with great success. Like Tampa was able to move the ball. Hello, Christian McCaffrey. They definitely are fine, especially in this short pass attack. If you are going to try and keep Debo safe or if he's, you know, you're worried about him on limited snaps or whatever, let Christian McCaffrey get out wide and throw the ball to him and let him have the ball in a receiving capacity in space. I think his receiving yards were like at 32 and a half. That was the prop. I love the over on Christian McCaffrey receiving yards this week, Warren Sharp. So a prop that I really like is George Kittle receiving yards over. Um, I think you might be able to get this at a better number later, actually, if Debo Samuel is upgraded. But I don't think it matters. I think you've got a lot of outs for this one. Um but let's first pretend like Debo is either not playing or is not 100%, so he doesn't play a lot. When Samuel's off the field, Kittle has been targeted on 23% of his routes. That's even higher than Ayuk is when Debo is off the field. So you got that going for you. Uh, but regardless, the Lions have struggled tremendously versus tight ends. They rank 24th in yards per attempt, 26th in yak to tight ends, which George Kittle is a yak machine. Um, yak since, monster. Since the end of since the beginning of December, rather, they rank 30th against tight end passes, allowing 9.4 yards per attempt. Um, so this is just a bad defense, and they've played no good tight ends. Like the best tight end, they had one game against Mark Andrews, and that's pretty much it. Uh, in terms of, I think they had one game against Cole Komet. That was like the next best tight end after uh, Mark Andrews. And then it was a bunch of, you know, miscellaneous tight ends. Nobody to the degree of George Kittle. And yet they rank 30th in yards per attempt allowed to tight ends. Um, I think Kittle's going to have a great day. He's gone over his receiving yards prop in nine of his last 11 games anyway. So um, I would be waiting to see if Debo gets upgraded, get a little bit of a better number. I think George Kittle's going to have a lot of success. Not that I don't think Brandon Ayuk is as well, but I haven't bet Ayuk's yet. I, w I have bet George Kittle's already. Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball house. When the Detroit Lions have the ball offensively, we know this is a team it has got a very creative offensive-minded coach. He might be your coach here in Washington uh, in short order. We'll see. But um, the Lions love to run the ball. 
They've got two great backs that can run the ball. San Francisco 49ers have shown, hey, they give up some runs from time to time. Um, There's some concepts that work pretty well against them. And uh, otherwise, you got Jared Goff on the road outdoors, which is some place that he's not had a lot of success. How are you envisioning that the Detroit Lions offense is going to look in San Francisco? Well, the the one thing I'll say right off the top is that I don't think this is one of the ones where you say you fade golf because of the conditions because it's going to be, you know, warm enough. This isn't one where we're going to have temperature affected uh, temperature impact uh, on the game and there, there, there is no wind or, or rain. So we're not getting it's just the fact that he's not playing in a in a dome. Um, but I, I don't think that that it's, you know, like. The, the version of golf where, where you see him just completely uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the, the thing with this Lions attack, I do think that they there's some opportunity for them. The bummer for them is Jonah Jackson is out and we and we saw him go out. Uh, he's the uh, left tackle guard guard. But the, the real bummer, Sharpie, um, in terms of that Detroit attack is Jonah Jackson their left guard is out and he is one of the very best, uh, you know, graded at that position uh, by PFF, you know, top five, you know, uh, in, in all of the important categories. Um, and Frank Ragnow left the game against the Bucks. Uh, he ended up being able to finish the game, but he's clearly dinged up. He missed games earlier this season he is their, uh, you know, Pro Bowl center. So this is not the kind of, uh, of of game you come into where you're compromised on the offensive line. I do think, and we saw it, that this San Francisco 49ers defense is gettable. And it's gettable on the ground. The Green Bay Packers laid the blueprint here. They limited the Niners to three possessions in the first half. And one of those possessions for the Niners was at the end of the half. And Shanahan did his usual, oh, I'm not sure if we should really go. But in any event, yes, pathetic. that's the way to, to do this. They established the, the, the run. Aaron Jones was 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 awesome. Um, now, they have a great uh, offensive line, and they used that to, to their own great advantage. Um, the susceptibility of this... Uh, Niners defense is outside zone runs. They're 30th in yardage, 4.9 yards per carry. Again, uh, in outside zone runs and 30th in, in EPA. And since week 15, the, that Niners defense allows almost nine yards a carry on, on pitch plays. So I'm looking at my guy, Jameer Gibbs. I'm looking at his rush attempts. I'm looking at, at at his yardage. I'm looking for ways for Jameer Gibbs. He had nine carries last week and got to you know over eight yards a, a carry. This is a this is, would be the way to attack uh, the Niners' defense. I just don't know what the impact is with with Jackson being out. Whether um, the Lions can, can you know sustain that. 
Yeah, I agree. There's a couple of run concepts that work pretty well. Outside zone, also pull lead. You're going to have some success and maybe some potential for some explosives when you're running Gibbs to the perimeter, not up the middle. The other thing, speaking of up the middle, uh, Jared Goff targets the middle of the field more than any quarterback. 53% of his passes are between the numbers. That's number one out of 48 quarterbacks. The Lions have the number one best efficiency when throwing there. But on those throws this year, the 49ers defense is like, like top five in every single metric, actually top four, including right. number two in EPA per attempt, number one in interception rate. They've allowed six touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So I tweeted this out, House, and then Simmons texts us in the thread and mentions, hey, what about uh, some long shot props here on maybe Fred Warner to score a touchdown? And it's like, hey, that's that's an interesting look. I think it was like 60 to one or so. Uh, and then you found Fred yeah. Warner to record an interception at 12 to one. And I think that's actually not a bad look here. Uh, him and Greenlaw is 15 to one. Look, in Jared Goff's five losses this year, he's thrown at least one interception on four of those five losses, uh, multiple interceptions in his last two losses. Over the last two years, he's lost 13 games. And in nine of those, he's thrown at least one interception. In his seven losses on the road, he's thrown nine interceptions, including at least one in six of the seven losses. And the interesting factor here is of his last five interceptions this year, Four of them have come either targeting Sam Laporta or his running backs out of the backfield. Those are the players that are probably going to be covered there by Warner and Greenlaw. And when I looked at of these 17 interceptions that he is Goff has thrown over, or sorry, that the Niners have recorded over the middle of the field, who is getting those interceptions? And it's no real surprise. Ward has a few of them, but primarily it's Fred Warner and then it's Dre Greenlaw as number one and number three on the list. So uh, I think some long shots there. If the Lions go down, they're going to have to throw the football. He likes throwing it over the middle of the field. Laporta is looking good from what he we thought he was going to be, but probably not yeah. quite 100% yet. Maybe a step slow at some moments, and that's where one of these guys can jump in front of him and steal that ball. So great long shot, 15 to one at FanDuel or 12 to one at FanDuel. Uh, take, take one of those, you know, small bets, but uh big payday if you hit them. One of the things that I, I'm going to continue to, to kind of mull over, um, no team uh, over the past couple seasons with, with Ben Johnson as the offensive coordinator um, runs more from under center than Detroit. They had 690 runs from from under center, and that's how they establish um, play action. And they had you know two two hundred and seventy four play action passes from under center. That's second only to the Vikings over that period. But twenty three. This is the NFL best. Twenty three touchdowns off of play action from under center. And you know the the, the question is. With the offensive line shuffle, can they run that concept? Can they have that same kind of of effectiveness? Um, I don't. I haven't really established a conviction on it yet, but it's something that you know where I'm trying to look at the susceptibility of that Niners defense to that kind of uh, action. Um, but just you know, across the board, the innovation, the scheming of, of Detroit. Formidable. I wish they came into this game 100% healthy. That that's that's my cap. Yeah, and I, I think this game's going to be a lot of fun. There's also a lot of variance here because Dan Campbell 
as a seven-point dog is probably going to try a lot of different things. We've seen other underdogs do it, but he's very aggressive. So could it be fourth downs in his own area of the field? Could it be onside kick? Could it be fake punt? Could it be other things that normally we're not seeing that he trots out there? And then if it's successful, boom, it's a game. If it's not successful, boom, they're really struggling to dig themselves out of an even deeper hole. So I think this game has a lot of chances to not necessarily be played close to the spread, but uh, even like a, a, a field goal game or a game that's decided by double digits easily. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch, a hard one to predict. I like props a little bit more than the side or total. Let me bounce. Well, I know where we're, we're going to go, but let me bounce this off you because early in the week, I had real conviction about it, but I've lost my, my nerve a little bit. I was combining the San Francisco team total over 29 and a half along with San Francisco to win outright. And that you can get near even odds. It's still, you got to lay a little juice on it. Um, But that team total at 29 and a half, they have been very good at home. Um, You know, they, they've been across the board able to generate the offense. The Debo thing scares me off of it a little bit. Do you have any reaction to that kind of combo play? I mean, you could combo it. I don't think that you, I don't know what the juice is on the team total that you would need to then parlay. Like, it doesn't sound like you're increasing the odds very much. So I, I maybe wouldn't even worry about throwing the Niners money line in there. But I mean, I, th- I don't think that it's a, it's the wrong move, but it's just probably unnecessary. Um, I would just take the team total in and of itself. But um, the only question I have is if the Niners are having success and they're up late, um, do they, do they keep running Christian McCaffrey? Uh, do they pull McCaffrey to rest him a little bit so that he doesn't get hurt in the fourth quarter? Are they just sticking to the run and having success against the Lions because the Lions run defense looks like it did last week and, and they're not, maybe not giving up 40 yard runs, but they're giving up four or five yards of carry and they're just converting down after down and they're doing nothing but run the ball to bleed out the clock with like a 10 to 13 point lead in the late third to fourth quarter. Um, is Kyle punting the ball at the 45 yard line of the lions, as opposed to being ultra ah, aggressive. There's a variety of things yeah, that, that I'm there's out. a variety of things that scare I'm me, out. but I will tell you this. <laughs> I'm out. It's on my short list. I've considered it. Like, it's not something that I think is okay. a terrible bet. Like it's not something I would be going the opposite direction of. Um, I just, when I'm looking at bets and potential bets, I'm always thinking, what's the other side that could happen here? What's the worst yes. case scenario? Yes. Those yes. are some of the negative thoughts that are in my mind here. Um, but look, it's going to be a great weekend of football. Really looking forward to it. Four deserving teams. I'm excited about the stories of a couple of these teams that got here. I'm glad the Ravens finally are here with a healthy Lamar Jackson. I want to see what he can do. Can he get over this hump? And then, of course, looking at what the Lions can do in San Francisco. Does Kyle have a chance to make it back to the Super Bowl? And, uh, and and kind of erase some of the negative memories that he had in the Super Bowl earlier with the Atlanta Falcons and, and with the 49ers against the Chiefs once before. Uh, I just think it's going to be an awesome Sunday and I can't wait for it. And, and that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will return next week. Thanks to Joe House for joining me and to Chris Sutton and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with all your bets this weekend. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Well, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.